You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Hello. I'll be reading from Matthew 21, verses 1 to 17. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the full of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But then the chief but when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. That is the word of God. And I'm going to call it Hannah now. Yay, Hannah! Good morning. I'm just going to open my laptop up. Gosh, Jesus is in here. It feels so, he feels so close this morning and tender. So if I cry, it's just Jesus. (laughs) And I thought I'd just uh, introduce myself a little bit because some of you are probably like, who is this girl up here? And some of you know that I am Daniel's lovely wife. We got married in December. Yay to marriage. I love marriage. I think it's such a beautiful thing. And another fun thing about me is that I love Disney movies. Put your hand up if you love Disney movies. I love them. And the reason why I love them is because they always end in a happy ending, right? You didn't just guarantee that it's going to be a beautiful ending. And another fun thing about me is that 
my favorite Disney character is Olaf. I just love Olaf. Like, he's just got, like, those really happy vibes. Like, he's just such a good friend. He loves warm hugs, and that's just, that's just me. That's just my jam. Like, I just love fun. I just love happy things. Like, that's me. And if you haven't guessed already or that I am from England. I have this amazing, beautiful accent. And in England, we love our gardens. Like, we're good, like, gardeners. And um, I got brought up watching gardening TV shows. And <laughs> I'm a bit of a granny. Um, at the weekends, I love to put my slippers on, get a cup of tea, and stick on gardening shows. So I was doing that the other week, and... Um, I was sat there watching this lovely guy, he's called Monty Don, he's so slow and like, just like takes it easy and you're just like, oh, it's like a hot bath, right? And I'm watching it and he's going on about all these new spring beautiful flowers, which is beautiful. I went to Butchard the other day and I'm like, wow, spring has arrived. And he starts talking about all these beautiful flowers and one of them is this camellia bush thing. And he's like really bigging it up. It's like, this camellia bush is the most beautiful thing. And he like starts talking about this place in England where you can go and visit these bushes. And then... All of a sudden, he just like grabs hold of this bush and he just starts like shaking it violently. And I'm like, what? <laughs> He'd just been going on about how precious they are and how beautiful they are. And then you just like get hold of it and just start shaking it. And he's like, yeah, you just got to give it a shake to get off all like the deb is it debris or whatever, debris, whatever the gardening term is. Like basically the stuff that looks frail and gross, you know, gives it a good shake. And I'm like this is pretty, pretty violent. And like God speaks to me in weird ways. And he just says to me, Hannah, like, this is what I've been doing. This is what I've been doing in the earth right now. I've been giving it a shake. And I'm like, oh, really? I'm, I'm done with shaking God. Like, I'm just all about the fun. Like, take me back to like before COVID. Take me back to like before you, the wars in Ukraine. And like, I just want to be comfortable. And he's like, Hannah, no, like, I want to teach you something in this process. And like, I'm kind of like that awkward person in a room that um, when someone comes up to them with, with pain or with uncomfort, like, I'm like... <laughs> It's okay. God has plans to prosper you. He has plans to heal you. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, just start quoting Bible verses. And I love the Bible. I love Bible verses. But he wanted to show me something much deeper than that. He wanted to, to show me that he's not just about sticking a Band-Aid on our pain. <clears throat> he wants to love us deeply and intimately and so much deeper than what I could think and I think just because like it's been a lot right it's been a lot like for the last two years I'm just like when is this gonna end like I just I just want to go back to the fun days and I think in that like we all know how to sit with the Lord and we know to go for him to like the solution and for love but I think we've just got a bit tired and we just like um like what uh, Stacy was saying a couple of weeks ago, like we just want to go back. A lovely little pause there. So it accidentally made God smaller than what he what he is, and I think I've been doing that because um, 
I was scared. I think I've been a bit scared that um, somehow, like, you know, last week, Caleb was talking about righteousness, and it's like the right standing with God. I think I've been scared that somehow that my righteousness would be tucked away if I was to come to God and like bear like my troubles, my pain, my hurt. If I was just to get real with him, you know, like David in the Psalms, he just like lets it loose. I love David. He's like a hot mess. He's just like, this is who I am. Where are you? Like, I need you. And I think like, I've just like been thinking that like, I can't do that. Like, not to the limit, not to the, to the need that I have. And God's like, no, 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 I am way bigger than that. You know, like, Jesus didn't come for the, for the powerful. He didn't come for... You know, I love the um, story in the Bible where it talks about Jesus eating with the tax collectors and he's, the Pharisees come over and they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, hey, I didn't, I didn't come for the righteous, but I came for the sinners. I didn't come for the healthy, but I came for the sick. And lately, that's just been playing in, in my mind over and over. I'm like, wow, like that gives me permission. Like he didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sick. He came for the, for the hurting. He came for the people that were unhealthy. So why would I think somehow, like, did I just think like I grew up like into this big mature Christian where like now I just have to be righteous? Like somehow that I had this thing in me where I'm like, actually like righteousness depends on me and that is totally a lie. I was totally thinking like it totally had something to do with me when it doesn't like righteousness is all about Jesus and what he did on the cross and I can never earn it and I can never it can never be taken away. It's part of my identity as a daughter (laughs) and that's freeing right when you know that you can totally be okay with being a mess. Totally losing my notes. This is me. I go on a rant and then I'm like, where was I, Jesus? Help me. (laughs) And um, so with that, I've just been looking deeper at at scripture. And like the verse that comes to my mind is, you know, in Hebrews 4, it talks about like we have a high priest. That high priest is Jesus who can sympathize with us, that he came low, he can feel our feelings. And... um, Lately, I've just been, I love my NIV, but I got a cheeky passion version. Uh, I think it's good. Like, I think it's good to mix it up. I think it's, it's all about connection, right? And in the passion version, it says, in that verse, it says, So then, we must cling in our faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. We can be frail. We can be like that bush, like, like he understands humanity. For as a man, our magnificent king priest who was tempted in every way, just the way we are, conquered sin 
And now we can come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned, to receive his mercy kisses. You can't get much more intimate than that, right? You can't get much closer than a kiss. And discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. I'm like, wow, Jesus. When did I think it was okay that I had to be strong? He's my dad. He's our father, and we're his children. Like, I don't have to grow up from that. And so thinking about this verse and thinking about Jesus and with Easter coming up, I was just like, okay, like getting like into, into the Easter mode. But actually I started to think about Jesus and him coming into the earth as a baby and just how vulnerable that is. Like, you know, he was so needy. Like Jesus, fully God yet fully human, was so needy. Like he chose to come as a baby. Like he needed, like, to be held. He needed to be fed. He needed for his bum to be cleaned. Like, he was helpless in that situation. And I just think that's just so beautiful. Like, God chose to come and do that, like, to be that close. Like, he came to earth to be so close to us. And even better than that, like, he left Holy Spirit to be inside of us. Like, that's how close he wants to be to us. And as I'm thinking about that and getting the image, like I love the word because you get to hear like what Jesus said and what the disciples said, but you also get to look at his ways, right? And I'm like, okay, God, so you chose to come to earth and be born in a manger. And I'm like asking the youth and I'm, we're talking about it. And I'm like, so what is a manger? You know, it's like whether animals would eat out of and we're getting that picture in our head. I'm like, okay, like there's farm animals around. It probably stunk. There was probably poop there right and I'm like God like you chose to birth glory into our poop into our mess and then that gave me even more permission to be like well like what I think's a mess like he has glory like he wants to make something beautiful in it and I think I just wanted to encourage you with that today like not to hold back from sharing your mess because he has something so beautiful to, dare I say it, birth, <laughs> to make something glorious in it. And um, yeah, so I had a little quick demonstration that I did with the youth that I just want to do to show you and then I'm done. Like, that's it. Daniel's going to get it for me because he's such a great husband. But um, yeah, it's basically... The power of being transparent, of bearing all. Yeah, Jesus, I just, I just ask that you would just um, reveal what you've revealed to me into the hearts of everyone in this room, that it'd be so tangible. I already feel like that he's been doing that this morning in worship. That it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to to feel our feelings because when we let Jesus into them, like we're not going to become them. We're going to become something more beautiful, more glorious. 
And so I had this cheesy demonstration that I loved, like someone showed me and I did it with the youth, so I'm going to just do it again. And I think sometimes simple is just great, right? So um, shall we just do it? Okay. <laughs> oh, what am I doing? All for your glory, God. <laughs> okay, so this is like us, right? We're this vase, as cheesy as it is. This is us, and we're filled with our love and our life. We're bobbing along, and I love the vase because it's transparent. You can see right through, right? There's no lid on it. We're open. And this is us, and um, I think this is what's been going on lately, like more like pain, just like a tiny bit because otherwise it takes forever. Like pain, like gets into our life, hurt, like life just gets into us, right? And when we turn like maybe a different color or whatever <laughs> gets in us. And um, simply, like, I think sometimes, like, we want to hide this, like, shames, like, actually, like, it's just easier if I just don't show people. It's just easier if, like, I put a cap on this, actually, or, like, I try to fix it, but it's more like this, <laughs> like, banging in. And actually, like, it says in the message trans translation when it talks about um you know like Jesus saying that he didn't come for the righteous but for the sinners it says um I'm just gonna read it actually quickly can you hold that it, like basically it came to changes from the inside out you can read it I can't find it right now it says, Jesus heard about it and he spoke up he says who needs a doctor the healthy or the sick I'm inviting outsiders not insiders, an invitation to change life, changed inside out. And like, this is like us, right? He wants to like get in us. And you can see this, till it overflows, till it comes out, till it's messy. And eventually you will see, this is, the water will go clear. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> eventually it does go clear. We did this on Friday. There we go. It goes clear. But, you know, we have to be open for that to happen. We have to let it pour in. It's not an external thing, but it's an internal thing. And um, that's what he's been doing with me. I don't know about you guys, but it's messy. It's raw. Um, I got brought up in a church where we didn't talk about pain. And I think um, it's so beautiful to be a part of this community where we can come together and just be real. So I just want to give you permission to be real. That's it. <laughs> well, who loves Hannah? I... Um I promise you, just connect with Jesus riding into Jerusalem. Uh, Telsey read this scripture to us, and I'm going to dive into some of the details around that for a second here, and then start to hopefully connect the dots. Um, so to set the context for what Telsey read to us, you have to understand these people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, they were waiting 
for their Messiah, for their king to come, for the kingdom of God to come. The kingdom coming was the restoration that they hoped for, the return to the glory days. You know, Hannah was talking about, oh, can we go back to like before COVID and all the shaking? They were waiting for God to come and do what he had promised, what they were expecting, what they were hoping for. And Jesus, as we heard in the story Telsey read to us, very intentionally went out to get this donkey and its colt, its foal, its little younger donkey, and to ride into Jerusalem on it. And it was in fulfillment of a prophetic word about Jerusalem. When your king comes, your king's going to come riding on a donkey. It was not accidental that Jesus fulfilled that. Jesus very intentionally was riding in to be like, I'm here. The king has come. And as he rides into the city, what do they start to proclaim about him? They're saying, Hosanna, son of David. Hosanna essentially means save us. It's this cry to the deliverer for saving. And they are praising him, acknowledging him as the king that was promised, the son of David. Hosanna, son of David. They're saying, essentially, this is our Messiah. This is our king. There's this recognition that King Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, is riding into town. And we see this like massive confrontation happen between Jesus and the religious system. They don't like it. I mean, you think they'd like it? The leaders like it when Jesus walks in and flips the tables in the temple. He's confronting the religious system that had been built up. And they are bothered. And then in in perfect Jesus fashion, he follows up, flipping the tables with healing the sick. Doing his work that he does. Going to the broken and healing them. And, And then the children in the space, in the temple are crying out what they heard in the streets as Jesus rode into town. The children are shouting out, Hosanna, son of David. So whether they understood the scriptures or not, who knows, but you got little kids in that space mimicking what they had heard in the streets. And what does it say about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? It says, They saw all the wonderful things that Jesus was doing and heard what the children were saying, and they were what? Indignant. Very bothered. And they went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, you need to get this under control. Do you see what's going on here? They're saying that you are the Messiah. Like, come on. Because they were convinced that this cannot be our promised Messiah that we've been waiting for. The way this guy behaves and who he hangs out with and how he operates is not what we've been waiting for or what we've been expecting. You need to get this under control, Jesus. Tell them to stop saying this thing about you that we, we all know, you and us know, is not true. What does Jesus respond to them with saying? You might really miss the the point of it. 
we don't stop and pause for a second. But when they tell Jesus to get this ruckus under control, this is what he says. They say, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? Jesus and those teachers of the law knew that it would be wrong for anybody but God to receive praise. When it says that from the mouth of babies and infants, God is going to get his praise, Jesus is essentially standing before them. I am not just the promised, awaited Messiah that you've been hoping for. I'm God. And it's like, Mike, conversations over. There's no reply. It says Jesus went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. End of story. Here's, here's, here's then what continues on. The, the five chapters, 21 to 25 in Matthew, is Jesus confronting the religious system and saying to them, I'm not impressed with your abuse of power and money. I'm not impressed with your facade of moral superiority. I'm not impressed. And he tells story after story that's essentially saying, those who you thought were going to be in the kingdom will be outside the kingdom. Those you thought were out are going to be in. He says to the teachers of the law, the, fair, the, the tax collectors and sinners are entering the kingdom before you. The religious establishment that had their veneer of righteousness and their moral superiority said, I'm not happy with you. Not impressed. God stepped in and dwelt among his people. And we, they, didn't like it. You see, they wanted affirmation and approval for their religious piety and their devotion and their morality. They're having it all together. And instead, they got indictment and rebuke from Jesus. They wanted an influential leader to sweep into town and to gather a following and build up a military and and lead that military in to defeat the Romans. But instead, they got a humble servant with a following of nobodies. He, He developed his following from the marginalized. And then instead of leading a grand army to defeat the Romans, he was abandoned and betrayed. He didn't go in with a massive army. He walked in alone. And not to defeat the Romans, but to be crucified by them. So different than what they wanted and what they were expecting. 
They want affirmation and approval. They got indictment and rebuke. They wanted power and wealth. They got weakness and simplicity. And here's the deal, guys. I think sometimes we don't like Jesus. We don't like his ways. But he actually invites us into it. You see, we, we, want, we want Jesus to affirm and approve our moral uprightness, our piety. We want Jesus to overthrow the governments we don't like and set up the ones we want. We gravitate towards the wealthy and the powerful and the attractive. We avoid the poor, the weak, and the marginalized. We prefer facades and lies about how we're doing and got it all together than the real, raw, honest truth. You know, one of the most, some of the most common criticisms of Christians and the church is things like they're just all in it for the money and the power. Does it remind you of anybody in the story? Jesus in Jerusalem? Or, or, or we're criticized of being arrogant in our moral superiority and self-righteousness and ultimately hypocrisy. It's not the Jesus way. I'm not trying to be hard on you guys this morning or on me. I just want to invite us to be honest people like Hannah was inviting us into. To be honest people about where we're at and how we're actually doing. When the king of the universe rode into town. He proceeded into the victory he was going to win and the establishment of his kingdom in a very different way than what was expected. You think, and we fast forward to, if we follow the calendar of Holy Week and all that, you fast forward to Thursday. This week, the night before Jesus is crucified. We're not going to read it, but I want you to go with me into the Garden of Gethsemane. And I hope you're familiar with the story. But in that garden, the night before Jesus is crucified, what is he doing? He's sweating. There's fear. There's sorrow. There's anguish. There is, a, there is, a, there is not... This Jesus standing there all courageous. I'm going to the cross. No big deal. We're going to do, you know. Like, no. There's Jesus in fear and trembling. King of the universe. Fear and trembling. Being honest. And he takes his closest friends with him. And he says, will you guys come and pray with me? What do they do? 
What do they do? They fall asleep. And he prays, Lord, like, Father, if there's any other way to do this. He's looking. He, he knows what's happening. He's predicted three times already what's going to happen. And he's saying, Father, if there's any other way, can we do it that way? But not my will, yours be done. Then he goes back to his friends, finds them sleeping, and he vulnerably puts out his need and his desire in that moment once again, and he says, will you pray with me? They fall asleep. He returns again. And and what we see is Jesus very vulnerable, very transparent, very aware of what he's feeling in that moment. I have no idea what that was about. And this is, this is just the thing that I feel, I've been learning something very similar to what Hannah was sharing with us. Sometimes I think we prefer our masks and our defenses. But Jesus invites us into a more honest way. tell you, I have come to realize that my favorite preferred masks and defenses are detachment or intense, angry assertiveness. You know how assertive sounds a little nicer, but, it's, but, it's, but it's, that's, how we, that's how we paint the picture. And Jesus has been inviting me into this way more vulnerable space. Because you see, masks and defenses destroy relationship. Because we're not living in reality with each other. We, 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 the person, the people, whether, whether, it's, whether it's our relationship to God or whether it's our relationship to the people around us, All we're giving God and the people around us is a relationship with our facade rather than what's really going on in here. And honesty and humility and transparency and vulnerability, you know what they are? They are an open door to intimacy. But I really want to be specific about that. It's an open door to intimacy. Not everyone will walk through that door when you open it. It's scary. It is scary. There are people who, when you open the door, go, see ya. I'm going to go scroll Instagram and look at good-looking, powerful, influential, wealthy people. I like that life. Go into a whole thing about that. We bow at the altar of Instagram sometimes, I think. 
You know, because when you open that door, they do. They have to choose to walk in. It's not a guaranteed building of intimacy. But it's the part you can do. And this goes in relationship to people, but also in relationship to God. If we do not open up that reality of ourselves to God, we limit how much connection and intimacy and encounter we actually get to have with him. You better believe me, I believe that Jesus had some deep fellowship with the Father in Gethsemane. True courage, guys, doesn't look like the version of power that we're sold. You with me? We often think of, you know, true courage like some action hero or, or superhero movie and all this sort of stuff, right? And yet the, the, the most courage and strength and power the world's ever seen was displayed through a man who was seen as weak and failing. We had a moment, like, like as, as I've been learning this, in marriage, I remember having a moment where I just felt like something was going on inside me. I felt horrible. I could feel it like physically in my body. And I began to be like, Jesus, what is this? And I felt like what he put his finger on is fear and shame. You're, you're afraid that if you open this up, to Telsey, the person who loves you most in this world, she will not accept you. There was shame. And I'm in this process where Jesus is like inviting me into this deeper place of being honest and being open and transparent and vulnerable and, and letting, you know, people and him into those spaces. And I began to just tell Telsey, she's like, She's, she had asked me at dinner that night, like, how you doing? And inside, I was being, like, torn up by this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, we sat down, ate dinner, and I just, like, wasn't in the space to, like, to go there. And then later that night, I was like, hey, you remember, like, at dinner tonight when, like, you asked me how I was doing? And I told you, good. She's like, nope. And I was like, but I'm like, I was in this like moment of like deep turmoil inside and just being torn apart. And, and, and I'm like, you remember that moment? She's like, no, it's like not even a blip on her radar. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so good at masking my crap. You know, this is scary. You know, like so detached from what I was feeling that I could just put this, yeah, I'm good. Dinner, how's your day? You know, like, thing on. The Telsey's like, no, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> I didn't even remember the moment. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, can I tell you about that moment? Ah. I started to tell her about what was going on and the shame that I was feeling and, like, just deep, vulnerable emotions. Yes, I started to cry like a little baby. 
in our bed that night. I only have two memories in my life prior to that moment where I cried like that, where it hit such a like, deep part of me. And you know what I did when it started to happen? I got up out of bed and I started to walk out of the room. <laughs> I didn't want to be anywhere near the person who I had just shared these deep, hurtful, painful things inside me with. I wanted to do my favorite defense mechanism that I told you about, withdraw. Go be alone. Just me and Jesus. We're going to work this out, you know? And, and then I got about three steps from my bed, and I started getting, this boiling, like, anger started coming up in me. And I said words that I don't usually say from here on the microphone and, and was like, and was like, this, you know, just like, all this stuff started like coming at me. And I realized in this like five second moment, I was running from my pain and I was putting my anger defense up. And I didn't even get to the door of the bedroom and I was like, shoot, this is really bad. And Tulsi was saying to me like, Come on, don't go. And I 180'd, and I walked back, and I laid in bed, and I, and I just cried. It was messy, guys. It was ugly. I'm not here telling you guys all about this part of my life. It's, it's, ah! And, but what I found was it's like I met with Jesus. I met Jesus through this amazing person that he's put in my life out of the willingness to open the door. And I do not in any way take credit for having the willingness to open the door. It's Jesus showing me Gethsemane. Being like, I know. I get it. Been there, done that. High priest who can sympathize. So practical application and close. I went longer than I wanted to. I want to invite you. I want to invite you into fellowship with Jesus and with one another and the people around you through some really simple things. Practice telling the truth. I said this to you guys a few weeks ago, the power, experiencing the power of living in the truth will require the pain of telling the truth. Acknowledge your feelings. And confess your sins. That's all. And I think sometimes, guys, because we've been so conditioned by that religious notion of moral superiority and self-righteousness, we confuse negative emotions with sin. 
We think that if I'm angry or if I'm feeling whatever it is I'm feeling negatively, that somehow that's sinful and bad and I need to put that away. And like Hannah said, get the biblical Band-Aid and put the Band-Aid over it and be like, I'm good. God's working all things out for good. You know, like, and, and there's something deeper that he wants to invite us into. Not so that we just like be like, oh no, we're a church. We just, we just hang out in our, in our like sadness and our shame because it's great. Jesus is there, you know, like it's not like to stay there. Guys, after Gethsemane, he died on the cross and then he rose from the dead. That's what next week's all about, you know? So it's not, it's not just to stay there, but if you actually want to come into the power of the resurrection life, you gotta go through the cross. And the cross is an indictment. I was like praying before the service morning. I was like, I just have a sense like from the part where it says, uh, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. Jesus is going to do a gentle work among us today. And then I'm up here like, rah, rah, rah. So I got to learn still, okay? And... But this is, this, is, this is where I want to close. We sang these lines in the last song that Charlotte and the team was leading us in. What is it? Shake off the dust of all my religion. Break off the chains of all my tradition. Or maybe it switches that up. I don't know. Yeah, come on, Seth, sing it for us. No, you don't, you don't have to. I heard Hannah sing you can if you want to. Do you want to come sing the chorus first? No, okay. Uh, okay, but what is the right way? Is it, is it, let's just get, break up the ground of all my tradition. Come on, help me out, guys. We're preaching, we're preaching together here this morning. Oh, look at that. We got a wise person back there. Okay, read it out, guys. Just read it out. Let's do it that way. And what's the next line? Your way is better. I want to invite you into the better way. Jesus, not me, guys, not, not me. Jesus invites us into the better way. So, like, I would just encourage you, this is, this is, a, this is a pretty strong, bold invitation, but find somebody you can tell the worst things you've ever done to. I'm not joking. And I don't mean like turn to your neighbor right now and tell them, you know, I'm not, I, don't worry, don't worry. You're free to, like if you really want to, but, but. Jesus is safe. Our king is gentle. He's the lamb who's overcome. So let's do this. Why don't you guys stand up, and I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to let you go. King Jesus, we thank you that your way is better. We thank you that you didn't just send us a textbook, but you showed us in your own life the better way, the low way, the humble way, the honest way, the, the power of the truth, 
And I ask that you would make us a people who have enough courage, not because we muster in ourselves, but because we know who you are, to tell the truth, to be honest with the people around us. And that in that space, we would meet with you. Or see, riding in on your donkey into our space, into our lives. Kneeling with us in our darkest, lowest moments. And not abandoning us or betraying us when we need you most. We say your way is better. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to convince us of this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. At Lifetree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.